social media is inherently social. So if you want to grow your platform, it's not just about broadcasting. It's about responding and listening to what other people are saying. The algorithm rewards you for being social with other people's networks. Comment, make relationships with people in their comments. And it happens, honestly, pretty quickly where people will see you comment a few times and you'll start commenting back and forth with them. And the next thing you know, you're following each other. I'm not saying to do it in a fake way, but I'm saying just really be social for the sake of being social. And your platform will grow. I promise you that. I think a lot of times people just broadcast and then they don't understand understand why it's not growing. Welcome to Rise and Lead. I'm Benjamin Lundquist, and this podcast is all about personal growth and leadership. If you want to grow and impact more people, you are in the right place. On this episode, I interview Dr. Heather Thompson Day. Heather is a professor of communications at Colorado Christian University, contributor for Newsweek and the Barna Group, has authored six books, and believes her calling is to stand in the gaps for churches and young leaders. Together, we talk about leadership, communication, mentoring, faith, online platforms, and so much more. This is definitely a high-value episode. The Rise and Lead podcast is designed specifically to motivate and equip you to live your greatest life with maximum impact. We are going to find out what makes great leaders great and how you can start growing yourself, rise, expanding your impact, lead, and living the life you have been created to live. As always, I want to personally invite you to be a Rise and Lead partner in spreading the word about this podcast and all the episodes that will follow so together we can reach more people. As of this week, the podcast has already reached 51 countries, and I'm so encouraged knowing more and more leaders like you are learning and growing. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can get all the episodes that drop, interviews, and power play episodes every month. Rate the podcast. I'm always going for a five-star rating. Leave a written review about how the podcast has added real value to your life. Those comments, they matter. And finally, Share about Rise and Lead with your family, friends, and your social media network. Screenshot this episode and send it to someone and post it to your social media accounts. You can help someone rise by connecting them to an episode. And when you share about the podcast as an Instagram story, make sure you tag me so I can give you a repost. If you haven't done so already, go back and listen to episode number one, The Rise and Lead Foundation. You will learn a whole lot more about my story and about what drives this podcast. I like to start with prayer, so let's pray together. God, we are grateful for your love and your leading. Bless this episode with Heather. Help it to speak directly into someone's life, providing them with hope and calling them 
forward. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, Heather is a professor of communications at Colorado Christian University, a contributor for Newsweek and the Barna Group, author of six books, and she believes her calling is to stand in the gaps for churches and young leaders. I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Heather Thompson Day. So I would characterize myself as a professor. I think that's probably the heartbeat of who I am. I teach courses in communication, so I'm really passionate about helping people understand what the purpose of communication actually even is, because so much of our lives really come down to the quality of our communication. Literally, the greatest contributor to your happiness is your relationships to other people. And communication is the vehicle by which we reach relationship with other people. So I'm just so passionate about helping people understand, first of all, that this should be something that we do and approach intentionally, and then change some of the patterns that perhaps that they have. And how do we even enter a conversation in the posture of being a good communicator, which really is about listening. And people often don't understand that. So I'm, I'm passionate about taking that message, obviously, to the world, but also to the church. And how can we, in our churches, take a posture of listening to the people who are leaving or to the people that have questions or the people that have challenges to something that we're doing? Like, how do we take a posture of listening without being super defensive? I think that that's probably the biggest thing that I'm passionate about. And where would you say, Heather, where did that passion initially grow for communication that you're talking about? So I worked in radio for five years in high school and then early in my college career. And I took a general level communication course and it changed my life. I took it at Andrews University, the one school I swore I would never go to. And I ended up there and I was sat in this interpersonal communication class. I was a journalism major at the time. So communication is essentially relationship building. It's people who are committed to relationship building for the organizations that they work for and the target markets that these organizations are trying to reach. And so when I understood that communication is all about relationship and understanding how to interact with people, I fell madly in love with what this could mean. I think mainly for me as a Christian, I had been a writer for a long time. I always wanted to be a writer. But when I realized that this was more than just what we can write down and how we can inspire people with written language, but also through face-to-face communication, it changed my life. And then once I experienced it, I wanted to give it to as many people as I could. What is one or a few of your greatest joys? And then also, what are a few of your greatest struggles that you're going through in your life season right now? Oh, man. Maybe my greatest joy and my greatest struggle are intertwined right now. We've recently moved across the country from Michigan to Denver, Colorado. And that has been a huge struggle in my life because all of my great influences and the people that I knew cared about me and who could give me criticism and it didn't hurt because I knew that this was coming of a place of love. Those people aren't in my life on a daily basis right now. And so that has been a huge struggle, but I have found, I don't want to stay in this season. I'm not going to make it seem like this is wonderful, but I have found a lot of joy in having God be really present for me in a place of hardship. 
And not that he has swooped in and saved everything, but he has provided for me in the midst of hardship. And I think that this is the first time I've really fully experienced God in this way. And so it's definitely deepened my faith and my hope and my relationship with him and just understanding the character of God and the different facets of who he is. So that's probably my biggest struggle right now, but also a great place of joy. And a friend of mine had said that, you know, serving on a university campus is one of the most influential platforms that somebody can serve on. You you know, you really are investing in the thought leaders that are going to help create ripple effects for generations to come. And I know you are really passionate about leadership development, about mentoring, about investing in the next generation. When it comes to being a professor and you have the responsibility of disseminating information, how do you go beyond just passing on information to create an environment where young leaders can really thrive? Mm, So I think there's two parts of that for me. One in creating, like, first of all, just an environment where they can thrive. I'm passionate about incorporating listening into my classroom, meaning I step back and make sure that at the end of the semester, every single one of you will have shared something that you're passionate about or something that the first day. So let's take writing for communication as a class I'm teaching. The very first day, my opening lecture was telling them every piece of aspiration or ambition that I've failed on. And so I went through this resume of my failures and I showed them like actual rejection letters that I've gotten from publishers that I thought, okay, God is finally opening the door. And then it slams while my fingers are still in it. So I shared with them all of my rejection. And then the way that they were going to introduce themselves in the class was to share with the class a time that they experienced rejection. And what did that feel like? And so right off the bat, we start the semester with this understanding that we have all failed, right? We have all fallen short in so many different areas. And yet we're still here. Like the world is not over. Everything is not ended. There is still so much time. I tell my students all the time, like anything that you want to do, you have the capacity to do. You are going to be working for the next like 30 years, 35 years. Are you kidding me? You think in 35 years, if you keep trying at publishing a book, you're not going to get that book. Are you kidding me? Like that just mathematically, it is impossible for you to fail if you stay committed and consistent in the pursuance of this goal. So I think that's how I try to create a culture just of listening where we all like are recognizing each other as human beings and not just students that sit in a class, but let's come in and become a human beings together, which I think is important for communication. I love the, that approach of really being authentic with your failures. What does that unlock for a student or a young leader when you are willing to really be open about your failures? What, what have you seen come to life or begin to grow or what changes or shifts in a room when the professor or the leader with a position and a title is willing to say, I failed too. And I felt like a failure, but I am not a failure. You know, what, what shifts in the room or how does that change in a young leader when we're willing to open up about failures? Yeah, I think hope. 
what shifts is hope. It shows me that failure is like a part of the process. It's not a destination and you won't stay here. And that's what I say to them all the time. Whatever season you're currently in, you will not stay here. And that changes how I go through the season when I realize it's not permanent. And that's what I'm saying to myself right now as I'm going through this struggle. It's like, this is not permanent, Heather. You're not going to stay here. So how do I fully let myself be human in this experience and let it make me a better person? Wherever I'm headed, when I get there, it's going to matter who I was when nobody cared whether or not I showed up, right? Like, I think we just have this idea that, oh, when I'm finally successful, that's when I'm going to be this person that's like, no, who you are when nobody's clapping for you, when nobody cares whether or not you turn the podcast light on, who you are in this moment where nobody is rooting for you is building the person that you're going to be when you're at the mountaintop. Like this space is holy ground. This space matters. And when we go through failure and struggle with the idea that this is meant for me, like this is part of my story. And I'm going to use this to inspire so many people when I get to where I'm going. I think it may, at least for me, it's made it so much less painful. And so I hope to give my students hope. Yeah. I've experienced, I think the same thing really through not so much intentionality, but just trial and error. And I think you're right. There can be such a, a pressure to think when I get there that I'm going to start living and I'm going to start growing and I'm going to start really investing in the things that matter. But, you know, what you're saying is that even in the struggles, even in the moment, even in the present, you are living right now and not to neglect the chapter or the season of your story that you are in currently. And sometimes we can be so focused on, I want to get to that next chapter, but asking that question, what is God doing in the season and the chapter that I'm in right now? Something that I felt like God said to me recently was, Heather, what if more than giving you success, what if I'm giving you a story? And stories have the ability Mm. to repeat themselves over and over. I mean, I just think of the stories that have penetrated my life where once you share them, there's people that are in the darkest moments of their life that will repeat to themselves the story that you told them. And that's how they get to where they're going, right? So, so much more than success. I think what we all want is to just be authentically human. And that means to go through struggle, to go, to, to learn how to abase and abound, right? And that's part of the process. And it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. Like, let's take that in. Because I'm struggling, because I have no money, because I'm getting rejected, it doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. It means this is part of the process of being a human being. The decisions that I make in this season will determine who I am when I do get to where I'm going. Mm. You mentioned, Heather, about your passion for mentorship. Who in your life has served as one of the most influential mentors for your life? Outside of my parents, so I am super, super close to my parents. So they have been like the biggest mentors, obviously, of my life. But outside of my parents, I only in the last year have had a mentor professionally for myself that was outside of my family relationships, and that's Jose Rojas. And he has, I have learned more in the year that I've been walking this journey with him than I would have professionally in the 10 years all combined together. Literally, in one of our first conversations, I learned so much about what God is preparing me for and how I'm supposed to carry myself throughout this journey. It has been, so anyway, if I can give a plug to people about the need to reach out and try to strike relationships with people whose ministries or careers or whatever professional thing you really respect, go out there and take the risk of asking that person if you can talk to them on the phone for 30 minutes. I like to be really clear with 
at least with my students, like never just call somebody and say, will you be my mentor? Mentorship is a relationship like any other relationship. And if I say to you, I want to marry you on the first day, like that's overwhelming, right? But if I say, hey, I would love to take you to lunch. Can we sit down for 30 minutes and have a conversation and just get to know each other? Most people are going to be willing to go into that relationship. And then if it goes well, you say at the end of the lunch or the coffee, hey, I would love to do this again in two weeks or next month. Do you have time in your calendar? And that insert the relationship that way. I think it needs to be a natural process other than not just you saying, you're my mentor now. And give me all of your wisdom. That can be a really, at least for me, when people do it to me, I feel really overwhelmed by that. And I'm like, I don't know if I have time even for that. But if you say to me, can we have coffee? I have time for coffee, right? So whether you're launching into leadership or being an influencer, whatever life stage you're in, is it safe to say that you always and ideally need a mentor and somebody speaking into your life? I think so. I have had so much more hope since I've had that for myself. And I say this as somebody who really, I'm a controlling person. I struggle asking for help. I struggle admitting weakness in myself. Like that's just not my natural personality because I've been teaching for over 10 years. I am very used to like being in a position of authority and people seeking me for advice. I really struggled asking somebody for help. And it is the best thing I ever did. So if you are like me out there and you're listening and you're like, oh, I just don't want to bother people or I don't want to be a burden, like just let yourself be a burden and ask for help. And it will be, and it's good for both of you. Jose tells me that all the time. Like this is good for him to disseminate some of the information that he's learned throughout his life and career. What have you found, Heather, as you have mentored younger leaders, what are some of the most effective ways that you can engage in mentoring up-and-coming leaders? My style is relationship. So I prefer, I've had people, you know, obviously where we do Zoom calls, but if I'm with students, I prefer that they say to me, hey, can we have lunch today? Can we go out for an hour and have an actual relationship? Because I think it for me and in, in my relationship with my mentor, it's not just about him being a fortune cookie and telling me all this wisdom, right? Like, it's also just literally having lunch and being normal people together. Because the more that he seems normal, the less of an idol or this idol type relationship it becomes. And in my mind, the more I am actually capable of reaching some of the goals that he has reached. Does that make sense? The more I see you as a true blue human being, the more I'm like, wow, God could use me too, because you're just a normal person you're not this sage on a hill. Like you're a normal human being with weaknesses and, with, and that makes jokes and, and says the wrong thing. It's like that to me is what makes things feel attainable. And so I want that for my students is to just go to lunch and, and be normal people. How would you say in a world where so many of our relationships could be looked at as superficial meaning that you may have a a million relational connections, but the depth is only a centimeter. How do people take a step forward in building relationships that are more real, more authentic, and more life-giving? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, I think that comes back to listening. And I think it comes also to taking away your own agenda. The relationship will always be superficial if I always go into it with a goal of what I want from you and how do I have you get me to where I want to be rather than, like I said, like just going through life 
together and not trying to change your mind and not trying to get anything, but just experiencing this journey with you. I think that that takes out the superficialness that can come in relationships and it takes out the rehearsed lines and just allows us to be. I appreciate when I've um, seen you post things, whether it's on Twitter, different social media platforms, I appreciate the authenticity that you even bring to your social media platforms. I've seen that to be very effective in the way that you communicate and connect with people. When it comes to leadership, how has the internet changed leadership or influence? Yeah. And so obviously I'm a millennial. So I think oftentimes when we talk about the internet or social media, people run into all the horrible things about it. And are there horrible things? Yes. But I see so much good. Just last night, a friend that I have from Twitter shared that she lost her job, right? So here we we see vulnerability. She has a pretty good platform. She has written several books that by a big major Christian publisher. And she was honest and authentic enough to say, I lost my job. They did budget cuts. My husband and I don't know what we're going to do right now. And within hours, the community of us writers and, and just Christians that try to take our faith online surrounded her and started donating just straight to her Venmo or PayPal. She said she was really clear, like, hey, because once people started asking how much will it take to get you to where you need to be, she was like, probably $3,000 and that'll give me a couple months to look for a job. She has $3,000 that just came in a few hours from people online. So to me, there's so much good about being able to be online. And what I also appreciate is what you just mentioned is being authentic. I have found, and especially this is probably a generational thing as well. I have found that a lot of my followers, I mean, probably most of them are Christians, but there's some that aren't. Like I've had people message me that said, I started going to a church again because of your Twitter. And I don't think that's just because I'm talking about God. I think it's because I talk about life. Like I literally just talk about my marriage or my classroom or my faith. And I think when we see each other, not just as perfect Christians, as social media influencer platforms, but as real people who are funny and who say dumb things and who fail, that makes everything feel attainable again. I'm really passionate about that, about being who we are and not trying to be it's unhealthy for me to pretend that I'm somebody I'm not. It's unhealthy for me to act like, oh, I have all the answers and let me just give you my wisdom. That's not who I am, right? Sometimes I don't know what to say. I just talked about that on my Instagram the other day. Like sometimes people come up to me, I'm a communication professor and somebody says some type of small talk to me and my brain is like, what am I supposed to say right now? I don't know this person. How do I respond? And then I say something really stupid and I tell people on my Instagram stories like, oh my goodness, I just totally embarrassed myself. And here's what I said to this guy who just tried to make a joke to me. Yeah, I think that those types of real moments help people feel like, for me, I think not just that like, leadership is attainable, but also that God, that if they see you as somebody who's serious about their faith and they're like, yeah, but she's still a real person. Like she didn't have to become this new person. She is still authentically a normal person that I would want to go watch a movie with. To me, that makes God all the more attractive. If somebody was listening, Heather, and they were thinking about, you know, how do I better utilize my social media platforms for influence? Is there anything on the practical level that you would say? And obviously, you know, I heard you speak a lot about authenticity, being real. Is there any guidelines, steps that you would suggest somebody take if they just want to better utilize their social media platform for positive impact? Yeah. I think outside of the authenticity spiel, I, I also think social media is inherently social. So if you want to grow your platform, 
it's not just about broadcasting. It's about responding and listening to what other people are saying. Literally, the algorithm rewards you for being social with other people's networks. So if you want to like break into a Christian market or a writer's market or whatever on Twitter, what you need to do is start commenting on the very same people that are in that space already. Comment, make relationships with people in their comments. And it happens honestly pretty quickly where people will see you comment a few times and you'll start commenting back and forth with them. And the next thing you know, you're following each other. And when that person posts, you say, oh, this was a, I'm not saying to do it like in a fake way, but I'm saying just really be social for the sake of being social and your platform will grow. I promise you that. I think a lot of times people just broadcast and then they don't understand why it's not growing. Well, because it's about relationships. Right. It's not about making followers for yourself. It's about making relationships with other people. Somebody told me the other day, and this was a a young leader. They just had made the the comment. They said, "If you're building a community, when somebody comments on a photo, respect the person enough to reply to their comment, or at least a few comments." Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's a real good challenge. That if you have a social media platform utilize it intentionally and grow it through actually building community that is authentic. And I think that's such a challenge for every leader. You know, people know, whether it's millennials, Gen Z, whatever the generation, people know when you are growing a following purely for your own benefit or when you are growing a following for the benefit of other people. And I think that really is the beauty of a social media platform is here I had this opportunity to post things that are really going to add value to the lives of other people and be able to step in. I I think that's just, that's huge. And I think that's a missed opportunity by so many people. I love that you just said that. And I totally agree. I, something that gets on my nerves that I'll see in at least Christian Twitter is like a lot of back scratching of influencers to other influencers, right? So like if people retweet, it's only the thoughts of somebody else with a blue check mark or somebody who at least has enough followers that I feel like I'm going to get something. It's like a quid quo pro relationship. And I, I just hate that. I don't understand why Christianity should be a club that's represented by a few people. I purposely will go through and look for people who don't have like who have 40 followers. And I want to retweet when you have a good thought, not just anything, but I want to retweet the person who had a good thought and has 40 followers because what it does is it sends a message to that person that their voice does matter. And in a world where I measure my self-esteem based on how many followers I have, there becomes a horrible temptation for people to think, I only have 40 followers. I only have a hundred followers. Like nobody cares what I think. I want to validate that person and say, we do care. And this is a fantastic thought. And I'm going to share it now to my 13,000 people. And let, now let's see what happens. To me, Christianity will be a movement when we all approach it that way. Meaning we all are shareholders in this. And how do I amplify all the voices that I just love to hear from? Some that I agree with, some that I disagree with. But even the way they approach the conversation that I totally disagree with you on shows me you're still trying to promote the goodness of God, right? Even if I think you're wrong, you're still trying to promote the goodness of God. And I just want to share those thoughts with other people. I think it's a huge missed opportunity that a lot of people, once you get to like an influencer status, they stop taking. And I think I don't get it. You know, that's one thing I've learned just in in my own leadership and, and influencer journey is there can be such a fear that if I move somebody forward, if I lift somebody higher, that person is going to become a threat to my influence. But it is, it is the opposite. Yes. That when we, when we are willing 
to empower other people, to lift people higher, all of a sudden they can be at a vantage point where they can see opportunities they never even knew existed before. And the side benefit, apart from just lifting somebody else up, and I'll, I'll just say, if you lift somebody else up just for the sake of lifting somebody else up, that's enough to yes. just serve somebody and lift them a little bit higher. That's enough. And I often like to visualize the idea of scaffolding that when it comes to investing in other people, often people can't see their opportunities. They can't see their gifts and passions because they are not at a high enough level to see what's really out there. And so we have this opportunity to create scaffolding and really lift people up. And when we do that, we not only help them lead better and succeed, but our influence is actually multiplied. So I, I would just like to say to anybody, don't fear empowerment, embrace it because it, it's a way that we serve other people, but it also comes back around where our influence is multiplied in the people that we are empowering. Absolutely. I literally one year ago at this time, I probably had under a thousand followers. And if I tweeted a thought, I tweeted the same stuff I tweet now. It's just nobody cared back then, right? If I tweeted a thought, I would get maybe six likes on it. Ty Gibson retweeted me one day and I literally died. I was like, oh my goodness. I had like over a hundred likes on it. I was like, I cannot believe this just happened. I screenshot Ty Gibson retweeting it. And it's like, yeah, that made me feel validation in who I was. This tiny, like, it, I know it sounds stupid, but this tiny little act of this person who I admire and respect retweeting me made me feel like, hey, my voice matters and let me be more intentional about how I use my voice. We need to do that for other people. What are the daily habits that really set you up for success with the platforms of influence that you have? How does Heather take care of Heather so Heather can steward well the platforms that you have? Yeah. And there's two things I think that I do very intentionally. And I love sharing these with people. One is I read scripture cover to cover every single year. I made a pact with myself probably five years ago that I would not check my phone until I had worship. And for me, that's reading five chapters a day. I typically read five chapters a day. I'm not saying anybody else has to do this. I'm just saying what I do. I read five chapters a day so that I finish the Bible about every nine months. And then as soon as I finish, I start again. I just got to Revelation this morning and I'm on my ninth time through, right? And so I know for, I know, I, I don't care what other people think they understand or see about my life. I know that who I am is a direct reflection of the time that I have spent with God. Nothing, there is no other thing that has radically changed my life than just my commitment to scripture. I don't know what it is. I don't know what happened, but he, the wisdom, just even the way I communicated, the wisdom that got downloaded into my brain, not the first time through, not the second time through, probably third, fourth, fifth, sixth, now number nine, like it changed me radically from the inside out. And so I highly recommend that people read the Bible for themselves. I think it made me also, I, I don't have a degree in theology, right? My degrees are in communication, but it made me feel like I have something to say of value because I read the Bible too. Like I know what I'm talking, I know what this book says. I know who God is. I've met him for myself. And so if somebody who I admire with all these degrees says something that I'm like, uh, I don't see that. I feel ownership to say I don't see that because I, I've spent time with God for myself. So that's number one. Number two is reading, period. 
reading has changed my life. And I tell my students all the time, if you want to be an expert on communication or on mental health or whatever, you read one book a month on the same topic on communication or mental health for the next 12 months for a year. I promise you in one year, if you have read 12 books on the exact same topic from all these different perspectives, you will probably be one of the leading people in the United States on this area. Most people will never read 12 books on communication. We read one book and we think we know everything there is to know. What if every single month you read a different book? Those choices that I have made have given me, I think, an ability to not just speak into things, but to speak confidently in them, because I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what the conversation is on, at least for me, communication, because I have read all of this literature in that area. And that's like, you can do that from YouTube University. You don't have to, you know, go to school to get that education. The world has never been more available than it is today. Yeah, that's a, such a, challenge for every leader who's listening that you have to be a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And I heard a great quote that said, um, when a leader stops learning, he or she stops leading effectively. And that it's not about reading until you get to a plateau of knowledge or understanding, but the idea that we are always called to be leaders who are learners, to lean in, to grow. And, And what a challenge for anybody who's listening Figure out where is it that God is wanting you to grow, figure that out, whether it's topic, area of study, and commit to a book a month. And over the course of a year, pulling all that knowledge and learning from 12 books, I think that's incredible. Um, Heather, what is a book, apart from scripture, the Bible, as you mentioned earlier, what is a book that has had a profound impact on your life? Oh man, so many. A big one is Words Change the Brain. I I try to plug it everywhere I go. It's a book written by two non-Christian neuroscientists. And it's essentially just looking at how the language we use intrapersonally. So to myself, the words I say to myself and the words, of course, that I say to other people, how it actually affects my brain. It will blow your mind. Essentially, what they talk about is how the words that we say are as real as the ground we are standing on. Your brain cannot distinguish the difference between what you are just imagining could happen and what is really happening. So the second you say, I'm stupid, or I'm never going to graduate, or God is never going to bless this ministry, or I'm never, the second we say that out loud, our brain can't tell the difference between, oh, I was just being like dramatic, or this is as real as the ground I'm standing on. So how do you learn how to interrupt negative thoughts so that you can respond to them with hopefully answers to those negative thoughts that will lead you down a better path. So it is groundbreaking research. It is a fantastic book. I'm going to add in here just because I'm a Christian, I have to. There are over 3,500 promises available to you in scripture. What if God is not asking you to read scripture because it's going to make you so holy and amazing? What if he's literally just trying to arm you with over 3,500 promises that when you go through dark spaces in your life, you can respond and interrupt the devil's negative thoughts in your brain with, no, 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 for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. No, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Like when I respond to it, it's as real as the ground I'm standing on. To me, scripture is so powerful because of the promises of God that we get to read about in scripture. So that's one book. There's another one, if we're talking about leadership, it's called Multipliers. It's by Liz Weissman. Fantastic book. Essentially what she says is that some people walk into a room and make people realize how smart they are. 
And then there are other people who walk into a room and make people realize how smart they can be. She says multipliers are committed to making other people realize the talents that they have. And so what ends up happening in an organization is a leader who's a multiplier is able to get literally twice the amount of work out of their staff. Because these people end up, they find things in themselves that they didn't even know they had. But because of the leadership of this person believing in them, it makes them believe that they can do their job 10 times better than they ever thought they could do their job. It's a fantastic book. I think, for, I think pastors should really read the book Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. When you, Heather, have you know, spent a lot of time with students in the classroom, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned personally from interacting with students? Mm. I mean, so many because I, I'm a writer, right? I'm a storyteller. I view life through stories and I've had so many students' stories impact me in ways that I, I would not be able to experience just because that's not my story. Just today, I had a student say something really powerful. Her sister has just died in a car accident in December. Her sister's like 20 years old. She's an 18-year-old college student. And she said, my biggest fear right now with my grief is that everybody else is going to move on and I'm just going to be stuck here in my pain. I have not gone through the loss of a close personal friend or family member right now. That's not like a grandparent, an immediate family member. And so for me to hear her describe what this actually feels like and what her fears are is me learning something that I could not know. That now when I go talk to people, these are things that I can talk about because of this student's story, right? So I, I'm constantly learning from them. I think the, a big thing that you will feel on a college campus that I think is unique to college campuses is the idea that you can change the world. 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds, they believe they can change the world because nobody has told them they can't yet. And that type of energy for me has been really infectious and it helps me see the world as an optimist and hopeful because I'm constantly surrounded by people that are like, but Dr. Day, why can't we? Like, why can't we do this? And I'm like, you're right. They're like, no, but if God before us, who can be against us? And I believe it, right? Because so much of what we feel like we can actually do is whether or not somebody's looking at you and they actually believe it. When I'm talking to college students, they believe that we can change the world. And so that makes me believe it too. I feel like that's a message for seasoned leaders that they need to have spoken into their life. And I, I, I think there is a, you're right, there is a, an approach to life by college students that is so infectious mm -hmm. and belief that they can change the world. It's not fantasy. It is a reality that they really believe. And I feel like for so many leaders that are growing in life and moving from one season to another, they lose that belief that they yes. really can change the world. And I've met a number of very gifted, passionate leaders in their 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, and they feel like their sweet spot has passed. They feel like their, their greatest impact was really behind them. And I feel like what you just said is a message that seasoned leaders need to hear that whatever season you may be in, you are called to change the world in the season that you are currently in as a 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old. And so thanks for that reminder for not only young leaders, but seasoned leaders that the calling of leadership and impact and influence is just as prevalent 
wherever you may be at now is when you are in your 20s that you still have that call in your life to lead and impact and you really can change the world even as a seasoned leader. Absolutely. And it's like, that's what mentorship should be, right? It's because I've already walked this journey. How do I mentor now five young people who are in the process of their own journey and help give them the lessons that it took me 20 years to learn? But how do I distill this into them right now? I mean, that is such a gift. And I think there definitely is a value in being a guiding voice for an organization. But you said something key in that last statement that possibly our greatest impact is not going to be made in a boardroom or sitting at a table, but it's going to be investing in the lives of younger leaders and really that idea of empowerment. You know, how do we take everything we've learned, all the things we wish we had learned? I'm sure, Heather, you've heard somebody say, if you could speak back into your younger self, you know, what would you say? But yeah, that, that idea of, recognize the massive impact that you can have in empowering the up-and-coming generations. And if you speak on a board, if you're in a boardroom uh, with your organization, church, business, that's great. Own that influence, but also own what you can give back to younger generations. Yeah, I read a study that said you know, because millennials don't stay at any workplace more than like three years. And I read a study that said the difference between millennials who stay and those who leave is whether or not they had a mentor. People who have a mentor twice as likely to stay at their workplace for over five years. And so what does that mean for us in church spaces? And how are we creating organization and programming that is built around this concept of mentorship? Because if we don't, young people will leave. Heather, when you think about what's coming up for you, whether it's more books, more articles, you know, doors that you see opening up, what are you the most looking forward to in your life right now? You know, I, and this is an answer I can only give you today that I probably would not have given you a year ago, if I'm being honest. And it's my focus has changed a lot. I used to very much, I'm an Enneagram three, if people know what that is, but that's an achiever. I literally never feel successful. I always feel like as soon as I meet a goal, I'm looking for the next one. And it has left me very depressed and empty. And so one of the things when I talked to my mentor, Jose Rojas, one of the first conversations we had was he said, Heather, what's your vision for your life? And I said, you know, I want to finish this PhD and I want to write for a national publication and I want to have a big ministry. And he said, those are goals. That's not a vision. What if outside of all that, what do you want out of your life? And I had never thought about that before. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And so now I really, I prayed for several months over, okay, God, what do I want out of my life? And I kept hearing this word wholeness. I want to be a whole human being. When I preach, I want to preach from a place of wholeness where I am wholly connected to like my, just my place as a human being and to suffering and to things that aren't going the way I want them to be and connected to my kids and to my husband. Um, and then obviously wholly connected to God. And so I think I am in a space right now of reorganizing all my thoughts where that is what makes me whole. The biggest ministry I will ever do is right in my family with my three children. And how do I fully invest? I don't want to have at my funeral, everybody who says awesome, wonderful things about me be people that didn't even live in my home. 
I don't want that. And I think that often what the, the temptation that can come with success is that we serve everybody except the people who really need us most. I have really come to a place where I'm like, you know what, whoever is inviting me to speak at a conference, they will find somebody else if I say no. And they'll find somebody else who does a fantastic job and the audience won't know the difference. My kids will 1000% know the difference if I'm not there. And so I'm in a space of saying no to invitations more than I say yes, because I want to be present with my kids while they are still living in my home. I think that's my biggest goal or dream right now is just to be fully whole as a parent and as a wife to my husband and let God, God is going to do whatever he's going to do with my career anyway, but let me not mess up the greatest ministry that he's ever given to me right in my own home. Heather, if you think about the articles you have written, if you think about the content you put on your social media platforms, the books you have written, even the what you've shared as a professor in your classroom, if all of that disappeared and you had one message to really share with the world, what one message would you want to share with the world? Yeah, I wanted to write a book. I'm not going to do it because it's too negative, but I wanted to write a book that says, Stop Talking. That's just the title, like, just stop talking. I think the one message that I want to share with people is that there's so much power in listening to other people's stories. It will change you, like, it will transform your life to sit down and let somebody else teach you what they have learned. And I think that's the message that I want to take, not just to like secular world, because I think it's important there. I think it would change our government. I think it would change our social condition. But I really, really think it would change our churches. There's this theory in communication, it's called standpoint theory. And essentially what it says is, if you want to understand an organization, you always talk to the people who are at the lowest end of the organization. They are the one with the truest view of what's happening because they don't get rewarded by any of the systems. So if I want to understand what's broken in my church, I need to talk to the people who are leaving it. Those are the people that are going to have the truest view. And I think what we often do is we say, oh, but they're just unholy or they just, they, I can't help it if they just don't want God. And it's like, well, what can we help, right? Like, how do we know if we never sit down and, and take the place of the listener and humble ourselves to say, what could we do differently here? So I think that would be the biggest message I could give people is that communication, people always think communication is about what we're doing right now and that it's about talking and it's not. It's about listening. It's about offering people safe spaces to just be quiet and hear from their story and actually allow it to change your own. I know that you are very intentional about your own growth. Uh, you know, you mentioned the commitment you have to reading and investing in yourself if you thought about somebody listening to this podcast episode of Rise and Lead, what would you want Heather, somebody to do in the next 24 hours that could really help them go to the next level of life and leadership? Mm, this is a good question. I think my advice to you would be to stop and ask yourself, what is the vision for your life? What do you feel like you were created to do? And write down one goal that will help you walk closer to that vision. And finally, last question, Heather. When you think about leaders you've interacted with that have really inspired you, that have moved you forward, how would Heather Thompson Day define or describe a great leader? Mm, a great leader. And this goes back to multipliers, right? A great leader empowers. They don't overpower. Great leaders make me feel like 
whatever it is that we're a part of this organization or this faith community or this workplace or this classroom, they make me feel like I have just as much ownership in this classroom environment as they do. And that makes me want to work harder under their leadership. Heather, I know what you've shared is going to bring so much value to a lot of people. Thank you for taking the time out of the classroom there at Colorado Christian to do this interview with me for Rise and Lead. If people want to connect with you, if they want to follow you, how can people stay connected with what you're sharing, what you're doing, your social media platforms? Yeah, my website is just heatherthompsonday.com. And my Twitter, which is probably the social media that I use the most, is Heather T. Day. Awesome. Heather, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and just blessings on your marriage, your family journey, and as God keeps expanding your influence. And thank you for leading intentionally. And thank you for sharing hope. I hope that that really came out of this episode, that wherever somebody may be in, whatever season they're in, whatever they're going through, that this is not the end of their story that there is hope for every person and uh, God can use and will use every person to be a huge influencer for a cause beyond their own. So thank you, Heather, so much. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Make sure you follow Heather on her social media platforms. She shares a lot of value every day. After this episode is done, subscribe to the podcast. Go to iTunes and drop a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and share it with someone and share it to your social media platforms. Remember, the right word received at the right time can change someone's life. So thank you so much for sharing these episodes with your platform of influence. Look for a full episode and a shorter power play episode to drop every month. You won't want to miss those. Thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself. You are worth it. Remember, the best time to rise and lead is now.